Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills. On the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle, which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. Like I always tell people is one of the things that, that would always inspire me to, to work really hard and do my best was, you know, when I would go to all, all over India, we play in India and you go to you go to the sort of the day before a test match or a one day game or whatever it was you're playing in or two days before that. And you have a lot of these net bowlers who come in and come and help out the national team. They're so excited about coming there and they're so passionate. And, and they, you know, you, they work so hard and you could see the passion and they come up to you and they talk to you and how can I become an international player? And, and it's like boiling hot and they're running in and they're bowling and they're giving everything you've got. And you can look at some of them and, and you can just know that there's no way they're going to have a career in cricket, right? But, you know, that just doesn't stop them and they're so passionate and they work so hard and it sort of makes you think and reflect and think, you know, you're lucky to be given a gift or you I was lucky to be given something that these guys would you know, they are giving their, they're, they're sacrificing their lives to try and get and, and they're not going to be able to get it. So you at least owe it to them to make the most of what you've got. I'm so fortunate on Lessons Learned with the Greats to actually have the greats of world cricket on this show. And today's guest is right up there on the list of the greatest ever cricketers. Today, we truly have the privilege to talk to and gain incredible insights from one of the greatest cricketers India has ever produced. This guy is the ultimate gentleman who played the game with a fierce determination combined with such a kind and genuine demeanour on and off the field. Rahul Dravid, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my show. Pleasure, Wado. Looking forward to it. Okay, I'll just give people a bit of a background on Rahul as a player. They obviously know, but to be able to understand these numbers that he achieved during his career, it is it is mind-blowing to think that a person was actually able to achieve this. So Rahul played 164 test matches, scoring 13,288 runs, an average of 52.31, which is crazy, um, with 36 test hundreds. He played 344 ODIs, scoring 10,889 runs, an average of 39 with 12 hundreds. Rahul played one T20 international, which would have been one of your yeah. highlights, scoring 31 <laughs> off 21 balls. <laughs> Absolutely. Quick when I was ahead. <laughs> Rahul's international career spanned over 15 years and is known all around the cricketing world as the wall. As his defence <laughs> was like bowling at a wall, knowing that penetrating his defence was virtually impossible. I know that from... Very good experience. <laughs> Rahul was a, also a very astute captain with him captaining India in 20 tests and 62 um, ODIs, as well as captaining RCB and Rajasthan Royals 48 times. Before we get into more of the questions, I'm just going to indulge a little bit with a couple of my career highlights of you. If that's okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. The first one um, is an innings that no Aussie person 
will ever forget. It was a second test in Calcutta against the Aussies, which the Aussies allowed India to follow on after the first innings and then Raul and VVS Laxman came together at the crease and just batted forever and ever. These were typically challenging Indian conditions with the ball spinning a lot and Australia had an incredible bowling attack with McGrath, Gillespie, Kasperwitz and Shane Warne with these great bowlers bowling their hearts out. Raul finished with 180, batting for nearly seven and a half hours <laughs> and put on 376 with VVS Laxman to take the game away from the Aussies who were in such a commanding position halfway through the match. For me, the capacity that it showed that you're able to bat for that long with a quality bowling lineup with such challenging conditions, it was absolutely phenomenal to watch. And I remember as like as yesterday watching that. So the next highlight, and we'll go back to that a little bit, but my second highlight is no doubt Rolls 233 against Australia in Adelaide in 2003. I remember watching that innings and being in totally in total awe to be able to see an overseas batsman, especially from the subcontinent, be able to dominate the Aussies in Aussie conditions like that. It really showed the true skill and his versatility that he developed and grew into in all conditions. And Raul had an amazing test series, but that for me was a, was a, true, was a true standout. Okay, now I've, I've mentioned my couple of highlights that I remember watching. <laughs> thanks, mostly. Thanks a lot, Walter. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah, thanks for the nice words. One of the good things you realize about being retired is that um, is that people always remember the the good things of your career. In the end, when you finish, right? You finish five years later, and they're all looking at these highlights. They actually forget that interspread with all of that is a lot of failure. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of struggle. And uh, and yeah, but it's nice. You know, you go to these events, or, or, or it's nice of you to say that. But uh, but, you know, you, you listen to people and they interview you or they ask you and they bring out all these highlights and they think, wow, man. And you think, oh, yeah, man, this was really cool. It was always <laughs> like that, wasn't it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you not. There's a lot of failure in between as well. And, and you forget that. So I guess it's nice. It's nice being yeah. retired. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a good for your ego once in a while. People boost up all the, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 10,000 runs and all 30. <laughs> Which is phenomenal to think that you're able to achieve that. There's no question. Um, is there... Is there one or two highlights that really stands out for you throughout your career? So, yeah, obviously the couple that you mentioned are, are, are obviously big, um, you know, are, are, are sort of very important sort of uh, events, I guess, in, in my career as well. More so because I guess, you know, uh, the Australian team in, in my generation was the most dominant cricket team. I mean, they were the most successful uh, cricket team in that period, sort of from the late 90s or mid 90s through almost up to sort of 2000. And six, seven, eight, they you know, sort of virtually won almost everything, won a lot of test cricket. And and, and even the test match in Calcutta, I mean, we, we were playing the West Indies, after, uh, sorry, playing Australia after they'd won 16 test matches in a row. I mean, that was, they'd won 16 in a sure. row and that was, uh, you know, the 17th game. So they were, you know, really the most dominant cricket team in the world. They had an absolutely gun side. Uh, the, the depth of the team was phenomenal. Uh, the experience, the, the quality of cricketers, and a lot of them have gone on to be absolute legends of the game of Australian mm. cricket, of world cricket, to be honest. So, you know, to do well against them, to have, you know, um, a, a couple of sort of good days against the Australians was uh, was terrific. And it was, uh, you know, I guess in the end of the day, you play, uh, a lot of it you do play for sort of satisfaction. The numbers, in the end of the day, I don't, I actually don't even remember a lot of these numbers and these statistics. And, you know, when you finished, you, you, you sort of remember... 
moments or highlights or days like this or, or say like you know scoring 270 in, in Rawalpindi in Pakistan to win a test series there for the first time or to win a series in the West Indies for the first time as captain to win in England I think you remember moments like that you, you sort of don't remember the numbers and it sort of doesn't really matter in the end but but it's yeah it's days like this where you get a lot of I guess satisfaction from um uh, you know, not I, I'm not one to reminisce too much. I don't really go back and think about these things. I'll be honest. I sort of sort of moved on in some ways from my cricketing career. It's kind of hard sometimes to even think of myself as a cricketer anymore because I'm sort of <laughs> doing other things. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it's nice when you know when you think back on these and I'd say that and, and just I guess the honor of just playing for my country. The first mm-hmm. time you know I walked played for for India at Lords in '96 and walked out and sort of fulfilled a dream of myself and my family. You know, my father really. For him, it was a big thing that I sort of was went on to play for India, and I think if you can kind of do those things, they they, they stand out and they're, they're kind of special. Um, so I'll move on to the skills lessons learned, um, and this is from a batting point of view. Um, was there one specific uh, technical component with your batting that really stands out that once you developed it and implemented it into your game, that you knew if I brought this every time, I was giving myself a great chance of having a really good day? Um, yeah, so I think. I think one of the important things for me, um, and I sort of grew up wanting to be uh, a test player. I mean, I never, yeah, I wanted to play one day cricket, but I, I wanted to be a test cricketer. You know, as a kid, when people ask me, what do you want to do? I say, I want to play test cricket for India. So I trained and practiced like that. And, I, you know, I guess growing up in the 80s and sort of early 90s, we kind of trained in that way. One day cricket was there, but it was just part of the scenery, you know, so to speak. And, and you know, you sort of, everyone wanted to be on a test tour. And so I trained and practiced like that. And, and one of the things that, you know, for me was um, was sort of knowing where my off stump was from a technical point of view. If, if, I, I, if I could know where my off stump was in the sense that, you know, if I left the ball well um, and, 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 you know, you got challenged in test cricket by some pretty good bowlers and they sort of challenge your off stump a lot and mostly catches on the offside of the wicket in any case. Um, if I knew where my off stump was and I could leave well, uh, that meant my balance was good, so that I was not falling over and I was not pushing it balls outside the off stump. Uh, I generally um, knew I was, I was sort of, you know, going to uh, do well. I mean, I still get out and I still make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that was a key part. And when I sort of got it wrong and, and, and I didn't succeed or I had bad blows, I, I generally found that, that I lost where my off stump was. And that was partly maybe, you know, things like you get too excited, you get too tense, you're too keen. Uh, you, you're trying to rushing things. You're you're pushing too far across, and once you go across, you sort of open up the fact that you're playing at balls which you could potentially leave. Uh, mm. And then if you're leaving well, you're forcing bowlers to come to you, whereas they could stick outside the off stump if they mm. if you knew if they knew you're sort of going to bowl if you're going to push at them all the time. Uh, but sometimes you know I, there are times when I have sort of been in off form and I've and you know and bowlers like Megra, I mean I, I just give one Megra Pollock. Guys like that really challenge their off stump of yours. And if you weren't, you know, on the top of your game against guys like that, they were just, you know, they they nick you off for fun. And 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 you, I, sometimes there have been times when I play a ball, say I get out nicked off to someone like McGrath and, and, you know, come back and look at the at this sort of video screen or the replay and think, hey, that must have been an off stump. And suddenly I look at it and say that was on six stump and I've pushed uh-huh. something on six stump. And yeah. I'm thinking, what? Why have I done that? Because I've sort of, yeah, so, but, you know, but, you know, and, and it, it was one of those things. And sort of it's, it's 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 one of those things which is interrelated to a lot of things. So it could be a balance. It could be sometimes mental. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. technical as well. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of that is mental because you're too keen and you're too eager and you're too pumped up. And 
and and you're pushing at balls that you shouldn't be you're going too early it's a timing thing so yeah it's a bit complicated but but generally yeah. if i was leaving well and i knew where my off stump was and i forced people to come to me then uh, i gave myself the best chance yep so you had a che- you had a checklist that you'd work through if you were not leaving that well you had a checklist that you'd work through from a balance point of view from a where's of a mind app because i'm actually pushing out of balls that i shouldn't have so you'd work through that checklist to be able to get yourself back into knowing having full confidence over where your off stump is Absolutely. And I think you, that comes through experience, that comes through a bit of introspection, it comes through actually understanding yourself as a person, uh, understanding and reflecting on, you know, your, your good days and your bad days and actually thinking about them. Uh, and, and then coming up with, with, like you said, whether it's a checklist or whether it's a routine, um, you know, sort of leading into a test match, uh, I would try and leave as many balls as I could in the nets. Um, hmm. You know, people say they want to hit the bat on ball. Yeah, which is uh, but me. For me, was, <laughs> for me I think yeah. it was sometimes the opposite. If I was leaving well and I left our guys really well on, on a wicket and, and I knew where my Austin was and I was able to leave on, on length or leave on line, um, then I felt really confident I would walk out of it. I didn't need to hit a lot of cover drives. So I need to hit, smash the ball a lot to feel confident in a test match. It might be different yeah. again in a Monday or a T20 game. But in a test match, yes, you know, um, I would sort of leading into a test match, you know, just leave well. And if I knew that if I was leaving well, then my balance was right, or if my you know my timing was right, and and so yeah, so these checklists I think you 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 sort of you sort of uh, gain through experience and 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 through reflection. So um, yeah, experience is you know um, I, I remember Shane Warne saying this. I think when we were at Tara or something, he said you know you can play the same test match thirty times over if you don't learn from it and stuff. So yeah, you know, so I, true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's important. And you tell me a lot of young kids now, and you know, you um, I sort of work with a lot of young kids at the academy, and I tell them that you you know it's a process, it's a learning, and you you're always going to learn new things about yourself. And, mm. and I think you've got to change as a person as well. I think things that bothered you, things that were you were nervous about when you started your career, um, you know, there may be other things, and people think, oh, if you're experienced or you know, there's there's other pressures that come in. You know, whether it's pressure of expectation, whether it's pressure mm. of your past performances, whether it's uh, the, what the team expects of you, uh, you know, uh, where are you in your own career, family, everything, I think sort of, you know, uh, you, 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 it's just different. It's different. And you need to keep constantly learning and checking back on your, checking back on yourself in a lot of ways. Um, from a fielding perspective, you, you had beautiful hands. You were a great slips catcher and we can't forget your keeping skills as well that you, you always took over. You, you took 210 <laughs> catches in test cricket, um, which means you caught a hell of a lot of balls, you know, more, more than what you dropped. Was there one technical component that you really worked hard on developing or were you always like a naturally gifted catcher where you just, with repetition, you, you were okay? Um, so um, I, I remember in sort of, uh, I, I was a wicket keeper when I grew up. So playing under 15 and right up to under 17 cricket, I, I used to keep wicket. So oh, I, wow. I sort of kept, right. Yeah. So I kept wicket and it was only, um, so I, where I grew up in Bangalore in, in Karnataka, we had a lot of very good. So when I was sort of a, a really, a, a, a six, when I was 17, 18, trying to break into first class cricket, Kirmani was still playing. And, and okay. still wicket keeping. And then they had Sadanand Vishwanath, who also played for India, who was actually not getting a go in our Ranji Trophy team because Kiri mm-hmm. was there. And then there were a couple of other really good wicket keepers, even in the junior sort of in, in the sort of like at the age of 24, 25. And I could clearly see that, you know, and, and a lot of the sort of as I started going up the ranks, I wasn't actually getting to keep. I was, I was batting well enough, so they put me as a batsman. So then I sort of, you know, um, had to 
sort of give up the wicket keeping and I was batting a lot. So then I sort of thought a good way. I loved being involved. I think I was not mm. good enough bowler like you to to be able to contribute with the ball. Oh, <laughs> come on. I could, I could spin <laughs> that. I tried my best. Which didn't turn. But so I sort of figured out how do you contribute to the team, right? What do you do? I mean, you're sitting there as a batsman, you, you know, what can I do really well? And and sort of one of the things was, yeah, if I catch well, then, you know, that's, that's a contribution, right? You're making a contribution mm-hmm. and you're sort of, uh, you feel you're involved or you feel you're, you're playing a part. And and so, um, so yeah, so yeah, I had, I had to work on it. I, I don't think I was uh, as much a natural, but I had to practice, practice quite a lot of, mm-hmm. of, of, of slip catching. And and one of the, uh, sort of the, the really good sort of pieces of technical advice that I received early on was, was to ensure that, um, that the weight was on the balls of my feet and, and, mm-hmm. and sort of ensuring that my balance was really good as a fielder um, mm-hmm. and, and ensuring that I got into a, a really good position. Um, I mean, I, I remember sort of Bobby Simpson came and uh, spent some time with the Indian team in 1998, 99. Okay. Um, and he sort of um, took us through a lot of wicket, sort of slip catching drills. And it's one of the things he stressed on a lot was having your feet sort of bent a little bit so that you could get the weight into the balls of your feet. And I think that was something that um, that I took to heart and I practiced a lot. Um, you know, even watching the, I guess if you watch someone like Mark Waugh, the way he stood um, in some ways, you know, it was like you sort of watched that. Uh, it was a pretty pretty strong Australian slip catching unit. You know, you had Taylor Waugh. Yeah, they were, they were really, really good. So you sort of watched them. And, um, and yeah, so that was probably, I'd say, if you're looking for one technical tip, but I think yeah. slip catching, a lot of it is about practice. You know, the more practice you can do, the variety of practice you can do. So it's not just mindlessly taking catches, you know. I, I think catching spinners was a very important thing for India. So I took over 100 of those catches are, are actually a spin of two spinners yeah. of Anil Kumarajan's thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I took yeah. about 60, 60 of those playing in India and, you know, the track... The, we do prepare turning tracks. <laughs> as no <you> know. way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, with these guys, it was, it was quite fun. So, you sort of challenge yourself in different ways. You stood at different uh, distances to them in practice. Um, yeah, but, but I think, you know, fielding is, is one of those things which you can actually improve by doing a lot of. Sometimes with batting and bowling, you know, you sometimes need to be a little bit gifted and you need to have, you know, uh, sometimes it's it's... You know, you just look at people as batsmen and you can see they've got something different or they've got something special. Mm. But with fielding, I've actually, you know, you can actually just improve if you just work hard at it. And, and yeah. you know, so that's what I did. Really. Oh, brilliant, mate. Great. Awesome insights. Um, from a fitness perspective, a fitness lessons learned, did you always manage your body like really well? Or did you have setbacks that you had to learn from along the way to be able to stay on the field and stay fit? Uh, uh, yeah, fitness was definitely, I, I think it was something that, that we embraced and we took on, uh, a lot. so my first, my first year in international cricket, uh, we, we, we used to travel for the first four or five years without even a trainer. Uh, we, we, were no concept of a fitness trainer. Uh, our physios were more doctors than physios. They weren't really physios. Um, you know, our, concept of training on my first tour of England was one lap around the ground and you did some stretches <laughs> in the boundary line and, and you know, knocked a few walls. I mean, I never, I don't remember, like, there were no cones, there was no, there was no bed, there was no physio table, there was no cones and ladders and none of that stuff. I mean, you, know, you go to practice session and uh, yeah, you knocked up and started practice. There was no, did a few stretches <laughs> here and there and, and that was it. So, yeah. it was it was that rudimentary. So, so yes, yeah, so I, I don't think there was 
I mean, I, I ran a lot as a kid. So I, I was lucky as a kid. I played different sports. I played hockey in school and 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 up to a decent level. And I, I used to run in the school sort of eight hundred meters and thousand five hundred meters teams. So which was nice. Like actually, by playing other sports, I actually got a level of fitness that you know cricket in those days just just didn't believe in. It was very much a yeah. skill based game, and you know people didn't really focus on it a lot. So actually, these other sports helped me stay relatively fit in the early years. Yep. And it was only, I'd say, from about 2000, 2001 onwards, you know, where we, where sort of that fitness culture um, came in. We, you know, uh, got got more serious about it. And I'd say I probably was fitter towards the end of my career than when I was at the start because you, know, you got into things like, you know, fitness training, gym training, and sort of understanding. So I ran a lot, like I said, because I trained for 800 meters and 1,500 meters. I used to do a lot of running. Yeah. But not necessarily the right kind of running, you know. You just ran without actually doing interval stuff or speed stuff, and and you didn't even understand or know a lot of this stuff. And and I was, you know, I think that's been a big change, I'd say, in Indian cricket. Or even now, when I sort of look at the NCA and we conduct our under sixteen, under nineteen camps, amount of time and effort that we go into thinking about the fitness of these boys and and their and the facilities they need to get and the training they need to get from a young age and what are the kind of markers or what are the kind of basic benchmarks we want even an under 16 boy in india to have um is i mean i don't think we even heard of those things even in, in even when we were with the national team in those days so so for me from a fitness perspective it definitely was a journey a journey of learning of exploring of uh, ups and downs and we were lucky to have some very good trainers after 2000 2001 we a lot of trainers like adrian liru gregory king uh, you know all a lot of these guys Paul Chapman at the NCA here so so many of these guys came in and 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 you know and now i think we've got a lot of very good indian trainers as well i think the snc thing in india is is definitely um definitely improved a lot and, and when i look at the quality of our indian physios and trainers today you know i think it i think there's been a big change over the last couple of decades in indian cricket and that's why i think you're seeing the standards of the indian team today is because it's 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 not just one trainer one physio who's good and then you can only touch and and sort of influence 15 or 20 people but now because there are more good physios and trainers all over the place you have a lot more athletes coming in even in our junior teams as well so yeah. so that's been nice and i think that's been a, a big journey so i was lucky as well I, i didn't i didn't think i mean i had had a few injuries but no major injury where needed surgery and stuff like that so i was very okay. lucky from that perspective you know the joys of not being a fast bowler i think you're on your mic <laughs> not like you not not running it i just i i should pick the fast bowler look at look at you guys running and and the stress injuries and the back injuries and oh man uh, no that, that wasn't for me So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Good career move to be a batsman only, for especially from a physical <laughs> injury perspective. And the simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a dream. Good on you, mate. You chose well. <laughs> that's um, a signal of playing sixty-four games. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. Make the right choice. <laughs> I'm going to move on to um, from a mental skills point of view. Were you always built a certain way? Or did you develop certain mental skills that you used to give yourself the best chance of having your best days? So, um, so yes, I was always interested in the mental side of things. I sort of remember being introduced to it, funnily enough, in a hockey team in school. Um, to a, a hockey coach was um, sort of used to dabble a little bit in the sort of the mental skill sides of things, and and he would sort of he was the one who sort of introduced. Um, 
invited a couple of people who had a bit of knowledge around the the mental skills side of things and introduced basic stuff to us like visualization and a little bit of meditation and stuff and i remember being in about 9th okay. standard 10th standard as a sort of in the hockey team and, and you know sort of he introduced it in the hockey team and i thought oh, i got a bit fascinated by it and then obviously i was always more interested in cricket so i sort of sort of let me sort of take that into the cricket in the, once the cricket season starts and how can i sort of use some of those skills that we've sort of been using in hockey and and how can we use it in cricket mm-hmm. and uh and then sort of just you know started uh, exploring uh with it reading a lot of books about it and there's a lot of mental skills conditioning books and mm-hmm. sort of stuff in those days um you know and uh and then sort of went through that phase in that period where i sort of maybe did a lot of that but but eventually sort of settled down and, and and figured out that you know figured out a method for me that worked for me um and 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 i sort of you know it it it's sort of i i found a lot of these books and a lot of the things that the sports psychologists were kind of saying um found it a bit too complicated to do and and you know i found it very I found the structure quite hard to accomplish personally from my point of view. Yeah, and then sort of went back to just the simple things that I had learned. I mean which was just actually for me the 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 greatest thing was was actually sort of being able to um sort of be able to refresh and re-energize myself uh from the pressures of of the game and and to be able to find time off from the game that um that sort of re-energized me uh to play the game again i think that was the biggest for me the mental skill that i needed to learn and i needed to get better at um and what was that exactly was that was that meditation or was that yeah that was for me just meditation and going back to say a lot of the eastern philosophy of of a lot of our just going back to simple things that i you know things like yoga and things like meditation and and sort of just being able to stay calm and 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 once in a while having people to talk to i mean you know obviously paddy upton came to the team later on in, in sort of my career and just identifying few people around that that you know um i could have conversations with and i think that's something that uh, for me was the best so it was not about you know having this routine of mental and having these checklists and this goals and these targets and having these circles and you're good in this skill and that skill and you know it was like you know i i think i sort of maybe at a young age that's that i found that quite useful but but again I, i i tell people that's not necessarily i don't i don't claim that to be um the way that you should do things it's just my way or just something that worked for me i mean other yeah. people might have completely different uh, you know uh, boxes that they need to take off or things that that you know get them going so yeah. um my way was actually just it was simple i, I just needed to have a meditation routine i, I meditated uh, you know virtually every day of my international career and and like i said the meditation was not so much about me becoming better at cricket but it was just a life skill it it just became eventually became something that i wanted to i just felt relaxed about it in in life you know and and, and that was and then that i felt that if if it helped me in life then i was sort of translate into in, into my cricket you know and translate into becoming a a, a better cricketer and sort of you know and, and like i said and just having a few people that that i could generally have a few conversations with around around the sport around the pressure of sport um you know i think that uh, that certainly that certainly helped in having sort of just people that you can who who you think are, are wise or who you think can 
you know, um, guide you in the right path. You know, sometimes you get very scrambled in, in the pressure of international cricket or playing sport all the time and the travel. The mind can, you know, start, you can start sort of, you know, um, going in different directions. The pressures of it um, can get very um, overwhelming at times. And then just being able to check in with a few people. And, and, and I think that sort of, uh, you know, uh, that certainly definitely helps. And, and I think, you know, it changes, right? I, I think, you know, just, I mean, I, I just think having a family as well. You know, once I sort of had, had a family, I had a little bit of different stuff to think about. It, it kind of actually helped me in some ways. And I was not that intense, that focused on, on the game all the time. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a hard thing for me to say that intensity was bad because intensity helped me at a large, for a big part of my career. But just knowing that thin line and the red line wherein that, that line wherein it sort of can get into an area where it can get too much and, and understanding yeah. that for me was a big part, I think, of uh, of my mental skills. I know playing against you, it was like you got into a bubble out in the middle and it was like it was impossible to penetrate that bubble. You just got into your space on the ground while you're batting and it just seemed like you just had this routine that you just did over and over again and didn't allow anything to come into that bubble whatsoever. Was that like the routine and would, were you doing that on like by design or that's just how you were when you got onto the field, got onto the ground to bat? Well, it, 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 I'd say most days it, it kind of worked. There were, so it, I think it, it, a lot of it is, a, a lot of it is by design. I think you've got to figure out what it is that gets you in the best space to be able to perform. And that's different for everyone. So that's, that's a lot of things I tell a lot of young cricketers as well, is that there's no magic bullet or formula. I know I don't have a magic bullet or formula that I can tell the under 19 cricketers, yeah, do this, do this, do 20 minutes of meditation in the morning, do this, do this, and you'll be fine. It it doesn't work like that. We're all different. And we're all very different. The things that, that, that say are nervous for us might not be nervous for somebody else. You know, the things that, that tick, you know, that make us tick, Maybe just the, the mean nothing to somebody else. So yeah. uh, I think it's just for me. So uh, the the whole goal was to try and get into the right frame of mind when I went out to play or when I went out to bat, and and mm. and and what that routine was and how that sort of felt like. What was that exactly for me on a good day? Mm. Um, and you try and achieve that more often than not. It, it, let's be honest; it doesn't happen all the time. I and mean, yeah. you can do the same things, and you think, "Oh, yeah, it's going to click one day," but it doesn't. And it, it doesn't. But if you can do it more often than not, and, and you can be consistent about it, then then I think you've kind of achieved. You know, you sort of, you've got to be happy with that. And you can't be too hard on yourself because let's be honest, not every day you're going to walk in feeling the same or even if you've got done exactly the same routine uh, or, or thought, try to think the same thoughts, it, it kind of doesn't happen. And um, But if you can be, at least if you know that, you know, there are, what is it that, that helps me get get in, into that space? What what are some of the negative thoughts that, that take me away from it? Uh, you know, if you can just sort of, I think, it's more of uh, if you can understand that about yourself or if you can reflect on that or if you can recognize those things happening. Um, I think we all want to kind of stay in that moment, right? We all want to stay in. We've all had that feeling of being in in that zone, if, what like people like to call it, or that yeah. moment where everything's perfect and everything's, you know, you're just hitting it, you're seeing it really well and you think, why does this happen every day? Yeah. Right? You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most frustrating things I think in cricket because you are oh, on any sport for that matter you know you want your good days but I guess you won't value them that much if they happen every day but uh, but yeah but I but I think it's it's the the, the pursuit of that is 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 um, is the 
is is the exciting part and and it's a very individual journey and you've got to figure a lot of that out in your own uh and and also recognizing the fact that it's not going to happen every single day i think mm. you know being being i think being uh recognizing that fact as well was there a moment in time in particular that you can remember that you really knew that this is where i needed to be and you defined that mindset and the lead up to it to then try and replicate every time you went out to bat I can't think of a moment or, or say like this or this was it like this is it. I mean, I can think of test matches when or, or games when, when I felt wow. And like like we mentioned, Calcutta. There were periods in Calcutta. There were periods in Adelaide. Periods in Rawalpindi. Or periods in a test match in Headingley on on day one where you feel, oh, this is beautiful. I am really seeing the ball well. Or you know, and 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 there are times I'll be honest when you felt like that and you've got out as well because you get yeah. carried away and you think wow, <laughs> this is it. And then that's a learning as well, isn't it? Like, isn't yeah. It? It's not always that you're going to go so score true. runs when you feel like, oh. and, and sometimes you score runs when you feel terrible. I mean, you get us one more. Mm. I've not slept well. I've been too anxious. I've just been <laughs> very nervous. It's like, oh God, this is going to be a horrible day. And at the end of the day, you're batting 100. And you think, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. actually, a, it's, it's quite fascinating. It's not, and then yeah. I think in time you realize that, you know, it's, 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 you've just got to control what you can control. I can't imagine what the scrutiny, media scrutiny would have been like for you representing over a billion people every time you went out to play, um, as well as captaining India for a period of time. So did this scrutiny and, and pressure ever affect you, your on-field performances? Look, I, I think it sort of came with the, with the, with, with the territory. I think in, in, in a lot of ways, um, I wanted to be, I wanted to play for India and I want to play cricket for India. So, uh, I always looked at it as in a way, uh, privilege uh, and an honor so I always looked at the um, you know in, in some ways I was always there are a lot of people and sportsmen I know and obviously being in India you know you get to interact with a lot of other sportsmen and and they put in as much hard work as you do and they, they, they work incredibly hard and they really make a lot of sacrifices for their sport but they get nowhere near the school they get nowhere near the media attention or they get nowhere near the financial benefits or the um, you know the just the satisfaction of playing in front of thousands and thousands of people as as you get as a cricketer and I think you know sort of when you interact with them and you see how much it, they crave for it and how difficult their lives are you know you kind of just grateful for for it and you think and look there is it there's no doubt about it there's a certain amount of you know just I wouldn't say the the just the attention of it was was a problem. Yes, there are times when you feel that you don't have enough time for yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think as a cricketer, when you sort of become captain of your country or your or you're a cricketer in India, there's a lot of people who want a lot of your time. And then you sort of that, that was, I guess, a, a sort of a big transition for me from when I first started playing for India is that, or when I became a little bit more established, is that I suddenly felt that I had so much time for myself. You know, I could practice. I played. I did the same amount of practice. I practiced and I played. But then I had a lot of free time. I could hang out with my friends. I could chat with people. I could sit in coffee shops. I, I just felt I had a lot of time. And suddenly you sort of become, a, and you don't have that time anymore because there's more demands on your time. You've got to do this. You've got to do that media thing. You've got to do this ad. Or, you know, and, and sometimes that can get you, it's a question of getting used to that. And I think that was, sometimes it took a little bit of getting used to. And I would always think back and then, and then, like I said, I would I would say that look, the other option of that is to not have all of this and not play for India and not want to be successful. So mm-hmm. make a choice, and 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 I think you kind of then come up with sort of ways and techniques of of learning how to deal with it. It's it's hard. I mean, you learn how to say no sometimes, which is not easy to do. I mean, you're sort of kind of learning. 
every time people ask you for things or request and you feel obliged to say yes because you think oh what will he think he'll think maybe i've become too you know big for my boots or i'm too you know and then in time you realize that no you you know you've got to learn how to say no sometimes and, and you just can't you know you just can't help it so yeah uh, so i think that was a, a a big thing but but in terms of the scrutiny of the the media and stuff i I kind of didn't. I kind of. I don't know. Maybe it was just natural or some way. I, I kind of didn't really let it bother me too yeah. much. I I didn't get affected too much. Did you read the media? I read bits and I didn't go out there looking for it, but nor mm. did I sort of not read it. And I didn't. So I always, you know, one of the things I I I'd like to think, and I say maybe a lot of the journalists who've sort of known me over the years will probably say that as well. I I didn't have a problem with uh, people writing a critical article of me in the sense that. If they were, if someone wrote an opinion piece and said that hey, Rahul wasn't a good captain, or he didn't, these were the reasons I think he didn't bat very well on the store, or you know, he's, he's, he's that's fine. I, I didn't have a, a problem with that at all. Actually, I didn't. I mean, I, I just felt that they were there to do a job, and and they have a job to do, and they have every right to. I mean, that's what they're being paid for. They're not being paid to be nice to me. They're being paid to give a clear picture to the people who are reading them or who are watching what they're saying. So I didn't have a problem with that, but. At times, I had a problem with people distorting facts and lying. Um, you know, saying things happened that actually didn't happen. You know, so oh, this happened in the dressing room, or this guy said this to him, or this is what's. Ha- I mean, that kind of stuff. Then, you know, when people lied, I, I kind of find I found that very quite hard to deal with. I, I didn't mm-hmm. like that, and I'm, I might have been I have reacted a few times with people when I felt that they have actually. Uh, given a clearly wrong picture of a fact that has actually happened. You know, more, so most of my complaints with people were more to do with stuff that they say about what happens in dressing room or your relationship with someone, or you know, this is how you, this is what was said in a selection meeting, or this is what he thinks about that player, which was totally off the charts. And you know, that yeah. kind of in 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 ways can get tough to you. But no, when people criticized me or people wrote stuff about me or you know I, I had no problems with people judging me because I, I completely knew that that was what they were there to do and, and that was their job and, and you know there were some people who were very good at it and you could actually read stuff from people who, who and think wow he, he's actually making a lot of sense here and you know mm-hmm. this is the stuff you can learn from from this and, and, you know some of the stuff you you might not actually you know it might be you say oh, okay yeah maybe he has a point of view but I kind of don't agree with it and I move on but there's a lot of there are a lot of people that a lot of articles that I might have read over through the course of my career that actually I felt, uh, yeah, there was something in it for me to learn from. Yeah, no, it's a brilliant perspective, mate, because there's a lot of people, and I know just from my perspective alone, the media did and the scrutiny that the the media had on that I yeah they had on me. Yeah, I, mm. I did struggle with dealing with it, and my only way of sort of trying to deal with it was shutting it out and not reading anything. I think I think today the the thing is it's I think the challenge today for a lot of the young players is not only just from the media. I mean that's one of the things I've made a, made a con- like I sort of like I've, I know players and young players who come to me on, on sort of eight tours and guys and say that oh we're getting criticized a lot um, by so so the thing I think the dangers of a lot of these guys being on social media and, and reading it is that then they are so it's not only so if you're reading uh, an article from a respected journalist who's covered the sport for 20 years or 25 years or 10 years or 15 years who watched sport that's very different from you know uh, getting affected by someone, uh, someone on a sitting on a keyboard, a random guy, nothing to do, and just abusing you. And then if you're reading that kind of stuff, and as much as you can say that, oh, it doesn't affect me. I mean, let's be honest. You know, it's going to affect you. Be a human after all. Yeah. And some say, I think that's stuff that the young players have to be careful of. It's not so much about you know what one ex-player is saying or what. I mean, that's guys who've seen the game and played the game. I mean, you know, that's 
that shouldn't affect you a lot. But if you're not careful, I think if you expose yourself to too much of the social media, uh, and if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, then I think you've got to be very, very careful how you deal with it. I, I know that it's impossible to tell young people now to stay off social media because they're probably going to be on it in any case. But but certainly, I think they've got to be careful about how they interact with it and how they deal with it. Because if you just imagine going out to play a test match, it's hard enough, or play a one-day game, it's hard enough dealing with that. Then, you know, and then the night before that or the evening before that, you know, trying to read comments of people who you don't even know, who, who might not even like, have you have no connection with, so they're easy to, they're going to make comments. And, and then you're reading that and, and, and then letting that get into that mental space that we spoke about or getting into that space of trying to be in the right space when you go out the next morning to play. I mean, you don't want that. Or certainly, I wouldn't have wanted that. You know? yeah, I would, and, and I would never, uh, You know, so, um, yeah, but reading the morning paper and someone saying you're under pressure, you, you know that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, without someone saying it, you know it, you feel it. Yeah, Raul Dravid needs to score runs. Yeah, I, I know that you So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and, that's the, and that is the ultimate challenge. That is the ultimate challenge now for the for the next generation. Because if you yeah. do read social media and you do interact with it, you're going to ride the highs and lows. The, those highs and lows are going to be much deeper <laughs> either and higher each way. And I think that was, and just again, just sort of going back on some of the things, that one of the things that I kind of learned um, in my international career was, was trying to maintain that balance of not going, riding the highs and lows, even with your performance. Obviously, we didn't have social media and that kind of stuff, but even your own performances being able to not get on that high and low journey, right? Not, not every time you do well, not getting on a, you know, just not getting too excited about it or, or not getting, you know, too depressed when you, when you sort of didn't do, do well, you know, just maintaining that balance. And it's one of the hardest things and it's, it takes skill, that takes learning, that takes uh, experience and that takes actually wanting to get better at it. It's not something that you're born with. I think, you know, I, I probably would have ridden the highs and lows a lot more in the early part of my career than I sort of figured out later on how to balance that out a, a, a little bit better. Um, especially the lows, I think it's not so much highs. I think as cricketers, we're so self-critical and we're so so much, you know, and I think that's what helps you get where you are because you are, you know, you're you're, you're sort of you're sort of driven towards perfection or you're driven to be self-critical. And so when the lows come, you get so low on yourself that you're sometimes it's hard and you've got to man- manage to maintain perspective and balance and, and, and I, you know I think in this day and age of social media the challenges for the young players are going to be so much more if they get caught up in that kind of thing okay this is going to dig a little bit deeper into an aspect of life away from cricket um, and a topic that most people don't actually really talk about with the financial lessons that you have learned over your, over your life or throughout your life looking back from where you are now would you have done things differently from, and this is all to do with like investment um, wealth generation, not nothing to do at all with how much money you've earned. And that, that's got nothing to do with that. It's more so just around your investment strategy, your wealth generation strategy. If you had your time again, would you have done anything differently? I can't think of too many things I would have done differently. What do I mean? In the mm. sense that um, I, one of the things that I always had a, um, thing was while I was playing cricket, I didn't try and get myself involved in any other businesses or uh, try and do anything else. You know, it was um, sort of one of the things I read early on in my career, which sort of made a lot of sense to me was, you know, you look after your cricket and the finances and your kind of life will look after itself. I was, I always felt I was privileged to be doing something that was a hobby for me. I loved doing, I loved doing as a kid. And I knew I had a limited time span to do that. And, and I didn't want to get 
uh, involved in doing a lot of other stuff. So for me, financial planning really was trying to be just do the normal stuff that most people would do, uh, which is invest in you know banks or they invest in the usual real estate or yeah. invest a little bit in, in mutual funds or stuff like that. But but I, I through the course of my career while I was playing. Uh, I didn't try and invest in any businesses or try and start a business or try and do any of that stuff because I just found that would distract me too much. You know, that would, as much as again, that's, you know, I can hire the right people, I can put people in place. You know, it, it kind of found that, you know, I, you know, and cricket is something I love. I was when I wanted to do that. I didn't want to be thinking about other stuff. You know, when I was, when I had free time, then I wanted to read or I wanted to, you know, listen, you know, spend time with the family. And I didn't want to be worrying about, you know, sitting in Australia and having to play Megra and worrying about what's happening to a business in Bangalore. You know? I mean, that's just, you know, I, and, and, and I knew my own personality would not be something that would, and I think that, that again, that's something that I can say that's a rule for everyone. There might be others who might find actually the, the distraction of having something else, actually something that might be good for them, you know, because they can compartmentalize that. Uh, I found that in my own personality, if I was playing cricket and if I had a lot of this other stuff, I I would I would have cared too much about it for it not to affect me. And I couldn't be someone who could just park it and leave it with someone else and, and, and you know, uh, sort of react and go to a meeting once in a month or once in six months and, and, and be fine with it, right? I want to know more. Yeah. And that's just who I am. So, so then with that kind of personality, you know, trying to do too many things at one time wasn't going to work for me. Um, so, yeah, so I just try to stay away from too many of those distractions. You know, I just yeah. try to stay away from it and uh, try to keep things simple and, uh, yeah, not complicate too much. I mean, I, in the end, uh, you know, I think I've been lucky. We've been blessed in a, in a country like India. Uh, you know, I, I think you get to see, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective very much. You know, you get to see um, so many, uh, you get to see so much um, and you get to see so so many disadvantaged people, people who don't have what you are. Uh, that that you kind of recognize how lucky you are and, and, and sometimes you you kind of know at some stage I think you kind of realize that maybe it's not so much about how much more money you're going to have that's going to give you the happiness it's uh, it's are you doing something that you truly enjoy are you engaged intellectually are you surrounded by people that challenge you um, you know intellectually mentally emotionally are you happy in that kind of space um, then in the end I think that's at least for me personally, that's going to give me more satisfaction. I know that. I mean, yeah. sure, we all we all want a better quality of life. No question about it. And then that's not saying that I'm, you know, uh, some saint who, who, yeah, I definitely wanted to raise the quality of life, and I want to have a good life for myself and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 yeah, I get. But I guess after some time, uh, once you've sort of met some of those needs, then then I think it becomes more about, you know, what else is in your life that satisfies you because. Uh, I don't know, at least the next car is not going to make much of a difference after a point of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's very wise words. Like what you're talking around, like the, the business, not having, not starting a business or being involved in a business when you're playing. It's yeah. very interesting you say that because like for the, for me, if I try, if I, well, the last few years when I've been playing, starting a business, it has been a big challenge being able to try and balance both because how I'm built as well is I find it harder to compartmentalize just like flat out. But in your case, no, I think you're probably at that stage in your career where I think T20, and I think that's a good thing about, uh, you know, T20 cricket and T20 leagues and stuff. And, you know, that you, you you can play these leagues for short periods of time. It's just a really shortened game at the bat, at sort of eight o'clock in the evening, you mm. know, uh, or, or most games are there. And it's, 
you know, it's like different from being on the road all the time playing international cricket and then doing this. Yeah. It's sort of, it's it's like uh, so T20 for me. The the last few years at, at Rajasthan Royals and 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 you know I was was really really good because firstly I love playing in that team and I love playing with all of you guys and I made some great friends and I mm. learned. But I learned a lot as well. You know, just interacting with people like Manoj and people like that. I learned mm. a lot in those three years and I and I felt that at that time in my life I had the bandwidth to yeah. be able to open up about a lot of those things and a lot of that stuff learning I've now been able to take into my sort of career now as a sort of uh, the role that I do now whether it was coaching with the NDIA at the 19 team or with a way with, with what I'm doing now at the NCA a lot of those learnings actually I learned in those last two or three years at Rajasthan being sort of you know being a player initially then being a coach sort of like a captain coach for a year then then getting on to the sort of management side of things and understanding how the options work how financial side of things so those four or five six years you know both at RR and Delhi uh, taught me a lot actually and I think you're in a much better space when you're just playing, say, one format of the game, yep. T20 cricket, to be able to do that than, uh, you know, honestly, to to do it when you're playing international. I could never have managed when I was playing international yep. cricket. So, yep. so yeah, it's, it's, I guess from your perspective, it's, it's, it's really nice to be able to explore a lot of these things and, and, and do some of the stuff. Just going back to, um, to one thing, just in and around the financial, did you have a financial advisor or someone who really just helped just guide you through your investment strategy because you, I see so many young young athletes and people who, in particular, who earn good money from a young age and then have the wrong advisors and then just get stuck into things where they just a chance of losing it all. So again, I was very lucky. Uh, what I had my father early on. Uh, so my father retired when I first sort of started playing the game, and um, he took on the role of sort of a lot of the managing the financials side of, of, of my career and I was very lucky. He was very uh, sort of conservative, uh, safe kind of person and mm-hmm. but very good with meticulous with a lot of the details of, um, of you know, and, and we had a couple of financial advisors who we used in terms of just investments and understanding what to do. But, but a lot of the early part of my career, my dad, so the biggest thing is, you know, managing stuff like tax planning and yeah. ensuring that you have right, you know, a chartered accountant and mm-hmm. ensuring that a lot of the paperwork is in place because it's, after you start playing, so the other thing you realize is that you've got to do so much of this paperwork and there's so much of that piles on and it, it's there and that can be just another distraction. So just having someone that you can trust and who, who you can um, and, and investing in the right person, I think is very important. Like I said, I was very lucky early on to have my dad and have one or two uh, good investors that my dad identified who could sort of help us uh, you know, and um, and just putting a small home office in place that allowed you to not to have to deal with, not to worry about, you know, the tax returns being filed. What is the last date of this? What's the last date? So it sort of freed you up. And I think for a lot of the younger players, it's definitely something worth investing in. So, so like I said, I was very lucky to have my dad, someone I could trust. And for a large part of my career, you know, till he was around, uh, he sort of uh, helped me with that. He helped me handle that. And, and um, that made life a lot easier for me, just knowing that, you know, uh, when a letter comes home, someone's going to read it, that's there, yeah. he's going to look after it. You know, I think just having that is really, so just, I mean, obviously not everyone's going to have maybe their dads or their parents or someone who, who they can, but but then just identifying and, you know, being having having some kind of a simple home office in place that allows you, because also the quantum of money, I think a lot of our young players make today is a lot more uh, mm-hmm. than, than, than we did. So there wasn't a lot that, I mean, to be honest, in the early part of my career, there wasn't a lot of investment I could do. <laughs> it, was just, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't too complicated. 
to be got a certain amount of money you paid a certain tax and you, you just managed you know so yeah. i think things got a uh, things started getting a uh, once you started doing say the odd advertisements and mm. commercial and sort of the media comes in and you sort of more sponsorships uh, it's in the first few years it wasn't a lot really but once that comes in then yes you know you don't want to be the one tracking up and following up on uh, sponsorships and money and so having just the right agent and you know that definitely does help and you know ensuring that they're giving you the right uh, they giving you the right advice that that mm. fit into who you are as a person and what your values are you know, i think mm. um, you know you should, I think I didn't. I didn't want to be pushed into doing so. There are a lot of times people said, "Oh, you got to be more out there in the media. You got to be, you know, you got to do this more." Gotta, but that was not who I was as a person, and and you know, I just didn't feel right with me. And I just wanted to be who I was. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do things that that were uncomfortable for me and 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 who I was not. And you know, and and, and yeah. So so just I think sometimes you can be careful not pushed into doing things you don't want to do. Well, that's the ultimate: is to be able to just stay true to yourself. Instead of allowing people to sort of move you in different directions that they feel is the right thing, but it's not, it's not actually who you are. Yeah, exactly. Life, life always throws challenges your way um, in so many different ways. So do you have a mantra or like a saying that you use in your life to be able to bounce back from quicker from these challenges and setbacks that life is, always does throw at you? A couple of things. I, I, I just always believe that this, this, just, this will always pass. I mean, whatever moment you're in, um it will always pass um it's it's important to be accepting of whatever situation you are in life and not kind of wishing for something else not easy to do you're always minds always wanting oh i wish this had happened i wish that had happened but when you find yourself in a particular situation and 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 just being accepting of that i think is something that's that's really helped me that you know and that actually in a sense if you are accepting of what is and the situation you find yourself in and you always look forward because then you think okay what can i do about it or what's what what should i do about it so yeah i don't think there's a mantra or anything but i think in a lot of ways i've always been a bit lucky that for some reason i've always not dwelled too much in in the past i i've had this and and again it's not something i think i've ever thought about but even when i think about my career a lot of people really but know you're quite intense and you I was always an introvert or I was always a quiet kind of person but even when I was quiet I always found that I wasn't actually being mourning or thinking about the past or worrying about the past that much more about what I more about thinking about what I can do about the situation so I was always a little bit of a forward thinking person rather than you know sort of more accepting okay this is what the situation is it's fine what it is what can I do about it so mm. yeah, I didn't I didn't actually I don't think I ever like just just who i was i mean i think i was just lucky in that sense and it's not like i had a it's not like a some yeah. mantra is there hanging on the top of my top of my door do you think that could have been from from your upbringing from your from your mum and dad and your family um yeah. you know, to not to dwell on the past and actually just look forward about what you can what you can do about it and what you can do right now no i'm sure i'm sure no, definitely in a subconscious way definitely you know my parents were huge influences they were not yeah they were not i mean and i think the the good thing i learned actually and the good thing about from my parents was it they so for for us growing up in the in the dravid household as a young boy cricket was not like it wasn't it wasn't everything in fact it was it was like you know my, my parents were not uh, my father played a little bit of cricket in his university but he wasn't and he loved watching the game and follow the game but he wasn't you know i wasn't obsessed with my cricket and neither was my mom and they were both professional sort of they my father was a food scientist my mom taught architecture at the college so you know they were not 
so life around the Dravid household growing up wasn't revolved actually around Rahul Dravid's cricket or you know you have to make it and this that and you know my parents being just about my dad never took me to the park and threw me th- 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 tons of balls or I'm lucky you know, nowadays yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's it so it was actually nice because it was a it was an it was a household where you know you came back home whether you done well or done badly it didn't really matter at all at home mm-hmm. so they maintained a level of perspective for me you know it wasn't the most important thing um, in fact in those days being a cricket career wasn't for my parents you know me getting uh, a degree or get, going to college was more important than because you could never say with cricket right you could never say whether you're going to make it or not and, and, and as a career but uh, but at least with a college degree or an education you know son could at least do something get a job so so uh, yeah. so yeah that's definitely helped uh, in a lot of ways maintain the perspective and the balance is is no question about it. you've met and been around some of the most successful people in the world is there one person in particular that really um has inspired you uh, i can't think of i can't think of one person as such i mean it's not about you know there's oh yeah there's this this one guy who's just you know um inspired me but i think i've been around uh, uh, a lot of you know fascinating people and i think that's been the privilege of being a cricketer is that you've been around so many of these great cricketers and been in so many different teams and been part of that and i think um just to just to learn from so many of them to go about how they've handled how they're handling things how they handle stuff like you know um, media pressure or how they handle expectations from people how they can react and uh, so you learn little little things from from different people you know how mm-hmm. do you uh, you see a lot of them how they're able to balance their sort of work life balance really well they balance their families really well they balance um just the way they interact with 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 people you know in spite of the pressure they're under you know how kind and generous some of them can be with with people and, and i think mm-hmm. that's something you you learn a lot from i think just the experiences that you have so it's not about people but i think my experiences have taught me a lot i mean and and uh, just the experiences of of so many of the people who um who don't have a lot you know and, and like a like i always tell people as one of the things that that would always inspire me to to work really hard and do my best was was you know when i would go to all, all over india we play in india and you go to you go to the sort of the day before a test match or a one day game or whatever it was you're playing in or two days before that and you have a lot of these net bowlers who come in and come and help out the national team they're so excited about coming there and they're so passionate and and they you know you they work so hard and you could see the passion and they come up to you and they talk to you and how can i become a international player and, and it's like boiling hot and they're running in and they're bowling and they're giving everything you got and you can look at some of them and, and you can just know that they're not going to make it as cricketers there's no way they're going to have a career in cricket right but you know that just doesn't stop them and they're so passionate and they work so hard and it sort of makes you think and reflect and think you know are you lucky to be given a gift or you i was lucky to be given something that these guys would you know they are giving their they're, they're sacrificing their lives to try and get and and they're not going to be able to get it so you at least owe it to them to make the most of what you've been got you've got and you know i think that becomes really inspiring because you watch these kids man they they want to be in the position you're in they they're working as hard as you are and some of them are working even harder than you then probably coming from even tougher backgrounds than you have and they're sacrificing even more than you have and they have no chance of doing it you know and it's it's heartbreaking and mm-hmm. you think wow i've got this opportunity i've got this skill i've got the facilities and and i've got to try and make the most of it you know and i think that for me was 
I always looked at these guys whenever I went in India and if I needed any thing or inspiration or if I needed anything to to think about you know how privileged I was I just always looked at these guys and and I just said you know hey you know that just made just made me sort of work that much harder or just get the best out of myself or at least give myself the best chance at least I owe it to them I felt to give myself the best chance it's all you can do I mean you, you can't uh, you know they, they, for some reason I was lucky enough to to be given a certain opportunities or or to be given to have some skill uh to be able to to do something that they desperately crave to do so yeah i guess in a lot of ways that's a, that that was a huge inspiration for me as a, as a player it's the one thing that people listening to this this um episode will realize is your perspective on life is inspiring alone because you realize how um grateful you are to have the opportunities to be able to meet the people that you have and you've made the most of that perspective as well to be able to just fuel you to get the best out of yourself. It's phenomenal, mate. There's that's you know, one of the, there's no secrets reason why you were able to achieve and continue to achieve the things in your life. No, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's, and I think it's, that's the thing about India. And I think, you know, you, I think in, in, in India, you get to see it a lot. I mean, I guess mm. you get to see it everywhere, but in, but in India, we, we get to see the stark differences sometimes. And it's, uh, it does put, um, yeah, especially in a time like this, you know, people, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're all sitting at home, and you know. And someone said the other day, "This the this thing affects all of us." And actually, it doesn't affect all of us. Any, anyways, similarly, we're sitting in nice houses, and you know, I'm not worrying about the job, or I'm not even, you know, I'm not worrying about so many things that you know, you, the, the migrant laborers in, in India who are traveling huge distances. And, and living in, in the kind of accommodations they're living in, and they're away from their families, and they have no, they're living on day-to-day wages, and there's those day-to-day wages are gone. They have no guarantee that's going to come back. There's no guarantee those businesses will be there, those jobs will be there. They have no way of getting back to their homes or or, or, or even the money to find out how their children are doing. So, I mean, I don't think this affects us, everyone in the same way. It does not affect us in the same way. I mean, I think you know, it's just and, and India shows you that India. India shows you that every time. I mean, people say, oh, we're all affected by it. Everyone in the world is affected by it. Um, yeah. yeah, we are affected by it in one way, but we're not really affected by it in the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, we are not. And it's, it's just uh, just the way it is. And so, yeah, you just got to be lucky with what you've got. Yeah. Try and make the best of it. And so, yeah, I think that's frustrating sometimes when you see young talents don't... I mean, I think, you know, you would see that as well. Sometimes when you look at young talents, they come in and they, they just don't... They don't you feel they're not giving the best. That's I think there's nothing more frustrating than that for me now as a sort of coach or as a as, as in the role that I am now. When I look at young talent and and I see that they're not getting the best out of themselves or they're not giving themselves the best chance to get that uh, the best out of themselves, uh, that's you feel sad about it. And, you know, it's, it's terrible actually because it's um, you think there's so many others who want to be in your position and they would you know absolutely make the best of it. And, yeah. I guess not everyone's going to succeed, right? I mean, I, I mean not, not everyone's going to succeed, but I think you owe, owe it to these people to give the best out of yourself. Look, I know you love reading and learning as as much as I do. So are you able to give me a couple of, of the best books that you've read that have, have had the most impact on your life? Uh, I go back to a book that I was given to by a coach in my... So Mr. Hanuman Singh was a, was a great coach, a great man, actually. Uh, the late Hanuman Singh has passed away now. The fantastic um, person, and he um, he shared a book with me when I was a kid. It was called Jonathan Livingston Seagulls. Book 
by Richard Bach. It's a really small book. It's about a seagull. I don't know if you've read it. You had the chance no. to read it. No, it's a. It's actually an interesting book. It's um, yeah. It's a, you should read it. it take you ten, yeah, take well. fifteen minutes to read. It's it, that okay. small a book. Yeah. It's a really small book. And it's it was if at that at that point of time it was a really inspiring uh, book because it's about a journey about the seagull who who aspires to be something different from the normal seagulls, and it's about this his perfection and pursuit of flight and and how he wants to be different and he wants to he wants to master the art of flying fantastically well. So um, and and for a guy who was sixteen seventeen at that point of time in a cricket career wanting to be the best cricketer he could be. It was a really apt book, so it was a it was a really nice book. I mean, it's something that I, I kind of uh, you know um, read when I was uh, sort of um, uh, a young man that I think had a, had a, had a huge influence on me as a as a person and uh, definitely as a cricketer without a doubt. You know, it was a uh, Jonathan Demis and Seagulls, a book I remember as a young kid. And it's in that book, um, it's, I'd say even. Uh, so another interesting book was the power of now Eckhart Tolle. I've, I've yep. sort of it, it was an inter- it was an interesting thing about that book is that when someone gave it to me early on in my career, I read it and I couldn't uh, I didn't associate with it at all. I, I just couldn't understand what the book was about. Yep. And then as I grew older and as I was sort of you know, we were shifting house. I remember, well, yeah, I must have been more than more 30, 30 plus or something. And we were shifting homes and I found the book and I started glancing through it while I was uh, glancing through it while I was uh, sort of moving books into the, into, in, into cardboard boxes. Um, and, and, and then sort of in, in some ways that, that kind of thinking, not just that book, but that kind of thinking of that ability to stay in the now and to understand uh, the now is the only thing that we can control was again a book that probably much later on in my career has had a, a little bit of influence on mm. on the way I see things and the way I, I perceive things. And, yeah. And yeah so. But yeah, but then otherwise there have been a lot of other books. I mean, in terms of my, I sort of lately try to look at a lot of books around coaching and just different kind of stuff. So yeah, so these two books. Awesome, mate. I'll, I'll be downloading those and make sure I read those. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, mate. Um, look, well, this has been so special to have had you on this episode yeah. of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Um, you've scaled the highest of heights in world cricket and to go with with this, you've done all of this with an incredible grace and humility. You are, you are mm-hmm. one of the sweetest and kindest people that I've met in my life and I can't thank you enough for giving um, me the time to be able to share all of these amazing insights with us. And we are all that much richer for digging deeper into the mind of one of the greats, the true greats of world cricket. So thank you. Thanks, Water. Thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure, obviously, to do this. But uh, but more importantly, to actually get to know you, to get to know you as a person, and, uh, <laughs> spend some time with you. And uh, and yeah, I must say that, you know, just uh, like I was saying earlier, you know, I think and, and you said some nice things about me, so I'm going to try and say some nice things about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not to say that no, to but, get it back. No, really. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I'm you, not saying you, just You can't tell the truth. No, no. But I just think that, you know, I, I always tell people this and it's not, I'm not saying this because you're on it. And I said that one of the things that I really learned, um, you know, when I came to Rajasthan and I came and played at Rajasthan is that, you know, um, is that the way that you were able to interact with, with the guys at, at Rajasthan and conduct yourself in and around. You're obviously the superstar in that team. I mean, obviously you're a, you've been a T20 superstar, you've been a superstar of, you know, the IPL and we were to pick, I guess, the five most influential IPL players you'd probably definitely be in that list over the last 10 or 12 years that the IPL's been there. 
but what fascinated me was you know just with the young team that we had at Rajasthan in those days and, and the budgets that we managed and 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 Manoj not spending any money. <laughs> Seems <laughs> like times have changed there. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> but. Uh, but uh but just you know I, i just think the way you conducted yourself around that group had a huge impact in in this environment that we created in Rajasthan because of it well a lot of i've seen and i don't want to mention him but i've been around a lot of teams and i've seen the way a lot of the foreign players interact with uh and and the attitude with which they come to the IPL with and and the the attitude and a lot of them i mean who come there saying oh, this is too much i don't want to make my money and go but the attitude with which you played i think uh, and you continue to play i think is really refreshing which is why i think you're so valued even now in so many of these teams is that the attitude that you bring uh, was was huge for me and was a great help uh, when i was captain and a big learning for me as well you know that uh, just the attitude that you brought the energy that you brought to a team and, and you know, i think was uh, special so yeah it's been learned a lot from Thanks, you man. and it's been uh, it's been special to get to know you and your family uh, as well i think fantastic to to know all of you so so yeah all the best in in this and what you're doing and i hope that this uh, helps and benefits so many people which i know whatever you do with well this certainly will mate thank you so much and yeah you you're very kind <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right mate take care buddy awesome yeah thank you so much raul for more episodes of lessons learned with the greats head to t20stars.com/podcast Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.